morning, everybody, and uh, hello to those in Christian Comedy Time and those looking in on the broadcast. <coughs> we are going to continue our study. We're going chronologically, well, not 100% following that thing, but at, at sometimes we take the, uh, the portion of Scripture that has the most information for us on the particular topic that uh, the Lord Jesus is speaking on or it pertains to Him or whatever. <clears throat> so what we're going to do this morning, uh, we've been in John chapter 12 for a long time, and up to chapter 50, I think we finished chapter 50 last week, but we want to turn in our Bibles today to Mark chapter 11, okay? Chronologically, this follows after as the, uh, the Lord, uh, uh, after that, John uh, 12, we do it like 26 to 50 or something, we did the whole chapter. We want to go over to Mark now, we're going to do some things in Mark for a bit, and I think we jump over to Matthew, but not today, so for today we're in Mark chapter 11. And it's a, I, I find it's a very interesting study to go chronologically. We certainly get a lot of information. And what we find is when we have a question or something in one particular uh, uh, portion of Scripture, we go and look at the other parallel passages in the Gospel, and we'll find more information. Say, oh, I get it now. And it's quite, a, quite an interesting thing uh, for us to do in a proper thing. And that's the way the Lord wants us to study the whole Word, isn't it? I mean, you don't just go and take one verse out of somewhere and make a doctrine out of it, do you? I mean, cults do that. That's why they get in such trouble. In the, you, you do err not knowing the Scripture nor the power of God. You can't make a doctrine out of one particular uh, verse. You can, but there are more verses that will shine more light on that particular thing. Mm -hmm. Anyways, we're going to go to Mark chapter 11. And... Uh, Let's have a word of prayer. And Father, we thank you now, Lord. We just ask that you guide us and help us with this portion of Scripture here for the interpretation and the applications to our own hearts. And we just thank you now and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to go uh, verse 19. We want to do verse 19 to 26 today. But I don't know if we're, I, we may not get through all that. We'll just go and see what our time is. And uh, uh, we're at verse 19. We're going to start there, okay? And when even was come, remember that back over in John, they were in the uh, temple area, and the Lord Jesus would go up to the temple area um, on a daily basis. Now remember, this is the what I call the week of the cross, okay? He rode in on the Monday, and Friday's the crucifixion day, and we're looking at, I'm not just 100% sure if this is Tuesday or Wednesday, or just where it is, but it's in that time. It's getting really close to the cross, the Lord has a lot of things to say and a lot of things to do in that short period of time. Um, so that's what's taking place here. And when they would leave, and he would leave the, uh, uh, the temple and leave the city, as it says here, when even was coming, went out of the city, and they went over to Bethany. Now, who was in Bethany or what was in Bethany for them? That was the house of uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Okay, And he would stay there overnight, and then coming back in in the morning, well, let's just go do this here. And when even was come, now, even, we would call it evening. And that's generally around, for them, it was around, the, around that 6, 7 o'clock, we would call it in that time. And that would begin the new day for uh, on the Jewish calendar. Not just the Jewish calendar, but as far as God was concerned. Okay? If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, it says, And the evening and the morning were the first day. So the new day started. That's like today being a Sunday, tonight... This evening at like 6 o'clock or whatever, around there, around that time, starts the next day. We have it. We go to midnight. Eh? Somebody's pushed it ahead six hours to the, from around the 6 o'clock time to about the midnight time. The um, Bible talks about that too, that they will change um, 
times and such like that. Well, that's for another time for us. And when evening was come, he went out of the city. So they went out. It was a new day starting. It was getting dark, and they, they left, and they went up to Bethany, okay? And verse 20, in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Remember earlier on, we looked at uh, the Lord Jesus had um, expected something from this fig tree, went over to it, and there was no fruit on it. There was lots of leaves, but there was no fruit. And there's a tremendous uh, illustration there for us as believers and such. We can have all kinds of activity and such, but is there any real fruit for God in the things that God has said? The very first thing is for anybody is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, well, let's want, we want to look at the fig tree, but they come by there and we, they see the fig tree and it's completely withered from the roots, from the bottom up. It's withered, it's done for. Yeah? Um, this is a very interesting and important thing that's happening right here. Now the fig tree is kind of a symbol of uh, Israel, God's chosen people. I mean, watch Israel and see what's going on and know what's going to be happening in the world and so on and so forth. Watch them closely. And as the king, uh, the Lord Jesus, the king comes to the temple and finds it a den of thieves and the worship of God is not to be found. The proper worship of God it's not much different than it was way back in Jeremiah, chapter 44, when God told Jeremiah, go and tell them, and he goes and tells them to worship the Lord and put aside all their idols and such. And they said, we will worship the Queen of Heaven. We're not going to do what you say. We will worship the Queen of Heaven. And four times they say that. And the Queen of Heaven's mentioned there. They're going to do that. And we're not going to listen to God. And it wasn't much different here. There was all kinds of things going on that was not um, worship, the worship of God. We see that uh, the worship of God is not found. We can say that the character and state of the Jewish, Jewish religion was uh, 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 a mess. Okay? You go and read Malachi, which was 400 years before this, and he gives them strong rebukes over the things they were doing. They're still doing it. Okay? There, there were some times where, we don't need to get into the history right now, that's for another time, there were times when they had uh, um, a few pockets of would be the word goodness, I don't know, doing things right, but by and large it wasn't, okay? But the fig tree being withered, we want to look at this just for a moment. Now the first establishment of the Levitical priesthood way back in the Old Testament, you would go back into the book of Numbers chapter 17 and we look at something there. The, uh, uh, the first establishment of the Levitical priesthood was uh, confirmed by the miracle of what? A dry rod. Remember, they, they, uh, uh, there was an argument there about who would do what and so on and so forth. So they took these rods and they put the names on them. And they put them up before the Lord, and I think they were from an almond, yeah, from, from an almond tree. And they were dry rods. Okay, they were dry rods. And what happened? Uh, in one night, uh, the rod of the, uh, of the Levites, is it? The Levites budded. I forget just who, who it was. Aaron's, Aaron's rod. It budded. It didn't just bud, and it blossomed, and it had fruit. The almonds were growing on it. An absolute miracle that this dry rod overnight had these things taken place. They come and look at it in the morning. Look at this. Aaron's rod budded, and it, it had blossoms and fruit. That Numbers uh, 17, verse 8. You can go look at that later. <clears throat> uh, uh, it just 
was to tell of the fruitfulness and flourishing of that priesthood. And now by this opposite contrasting miracle that we see here with the fig tree, okay, you have to put the two together. One's an absolute uh, uh, um, uh, uh, miracle of the uh, dry rod, the almond rod budding, Aaron's rod, to show that the Levit Levitical priesthood and how it flourished and the, people, the, the whole thing flourished. But now the opposite is taking place, okay? A contrary miracle, the, uh, uh, the expiration of the priesthood uh, um, was simplified by the flourishing tree drying up in a night, when the other was the rod budded in the night, in, overnight, and this one overnight, look at the, the tree is dried up and they were totally, totally amazed. It's a just punishment upon them or a declaration upon them and upon the false priests and such and all the things that they were doing. Um, they had abused the whole system in that. Uh, this would seem strange that God's people would be thus banned, but remember we looked at uh, uh, Romans chapter uh, 11. If you didn't read that, you need to read that and read it over and over again and get that in your head, how God has not cast off His people forever, but blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. But the disciples could not imagine how that fig tree should be soon withered away. This comes from rejecting Christ, rejecting God's way of things, and rejecting Him. So we see this, this uh, fig tree, it's not just some little wee thing, little, little fancy trick that the Lord did or something. This re represents some very important thing. Very important thing. And Peter, uh, verse 21, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. To be cursed by God is an awful, terrible thing. The Bible says that um, in John uh, 3, uh, 18, I think it is, it says something to the effect that uh, whoever believes is not condemned but those that believe not are condemned already. Those that do not believe, that don't take Christ as Savior, do not accept God's way of salvation, which is God manifest in the flesh, taking on a human form, body, going to the cross of Calvary, being crucified, dying on the cross, being buried, and rising from the dead on the third day. If that's not accepted, if the individual doesn't accept that, they, they will not be saved. But those that don't know right now are condemned already. And they're not going to be condemned later on. The condemnation is right now. Read it. John chapter uh, 3, verse 16 is part of that. You go back to verse 15 to 19. It's a, whole, a little section there. It talks about the condemnation is already upon. The curse is upon all of mankind. The curse is death. You're going to die because of sin. Okay? Jesus took that on himself on the cross of Calvary. He paid the price of our sins. And God said, this is what I accept. This is what I set forth. This is what I did. This is what is for you. Accept him. Hear my son. Believe in him. Trust in him. And you will be saved. Acts 16.31 Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He said, I never gave anything else other than that. And isn't it interesting that there's 
thousands and millions of people in church services at this hour right now all across the countries and all around the world. And they're looking at different ways of salvation. It works generally. Some kind of works and such. And God says, I didn't say that. There are people, there's a place downtown that have substituted the blood of Jesus Christ for the waters of baptism. That's not salvation. God says, I didn't tell you to do that. I said, it's already done for you, everything. Believe in Jesus Christ, receive Him, trust in Him, and accept Him as your Savior. Okay? And uh, where are we at? A curse is dried up as symbolic of Israel. Okay? Uh, by the way, Israel was supposed to proselytize and into other countries and round about. They failed in that. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. We want to just uh, talk about that for a minute. Just take a side trip on. Talk about faith. Have faith in God. You ever heard somebody say it? Just have faith. You've got to have faith. It's only part of the, part of the, uh, something missing in that equation, isn't there? Let's just look at some things about faith. Now somebody has said that repentance is closely linked to faith. This thing's ringing a bit on the stand back. Um, repentance is the turning of the soul away from sin. That's what repentance is. And faith is the turning of the soul to God. Okay? So they are linked. Yeah, they are linked. That's why we see often, you see, well, these ones believed and they're throwing stones at Jesus. The devils believe and tremble and so on and so forth. There's no repentance there, I guess. Um, often there's an emphasis placed on the conduct, but a person's life is governed not by what they do, but what they believe, really. What you believe will, will bring out what you're going to do. Okay? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. How many have seen Jesus Christ? He came to you, didn't he? No, you haven't seen him. By faith. Eh? If we haven't seen him, by faith we will sometime. And by faith, back in Genesis, God told uh, Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, and if there's any others there, I don't know. Uh, he told them that the way you approach me is through uh, a mediator. A lamb from the flock must be killed, blood must be shed. And that is, that one symbolically takes your sins and you can approach me that way. But Cain brings a bunch of what, fruit from the ground. I don't even care. I don't really brought. He brought vegetables, fruit under the ground. God didn't say to do that. Cain. And then what did the Lord say to Cain? You know, what are you upset about? He says, if you do right, you'll be accepted. Isn't that grace? Isn't that mercy? And what Cain do? He went out and killed his brother. Okay? But faith, but Abel, by faith, he says, okay, that's what God says. All right, that's what I'm going to do. There's faith. Uh, faith and belief are connected. It means to trust. It means to agree. It means to walk with. It means to surrender to. It means to act upon. But faith has to have an object, and faith does have an object. People talk about having faith. They're talking about having faith in themselves or have faith that something will work out or whatever. Uh, what is the object of your faith? What's the object of your faith? What's the object of your faith? It better be Jesus Christ. 
Have faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Christ. Belief in Christ. Trust in Christ. And you'll be saved. That's the, that's the way. Jesus Christ is the object of our faith. I already mentioned Acts 16.31. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8, 9, and 10. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's the gift of God. The grace of God through faith and believe in Jesus Christ will save an individual. The result of saving faith, what does saving faith bring? Attitudes will change, the individual will change. The attitude of sin will change because in faith you have proper biblical faith, saving faith, you will have a turning from your sin, that's repentance, and turning to God, that's salvation, and to Christ. Okay? Uh, the whole person changes, and good works will follow. Ephesians chapter 2, verses uh, 8, 9, and 10 talks about our, our works and good works. And Christ will be confessed. We looked at that last week. And the Bible tells us that you will speak about Christ. The Spirit of God said in Acts chapter 1, I think it was verse 8, that when the Holy Spirit, or Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, talking to the disciples, ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and to the uttermost parts of the world. Ye shall be witnesses. You will talk about Christ. You will share him. It will be like you just can't hold that in. It's got to come out. Of course it would be like that, wouldn't it? Because when you get saved, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says, and after that you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. He's the uh, earnest of our uh, uh, inheritance. He's the down payment, as it were. And the Spirit of God, God Himself, He's right inside there. God Himself is living in our heart by faith, and God Himself is lives within the, in the believer, inside the Christian. What kind of an effect would that have on us? Well, we would want to do, and we would do, the things of God. Eh? We would be changed. We would, uh, we would uh, uh, do His His works. Let your light so shine before men that they that see your good works and glorify God. Eternal life is the thing that God says in John three sixteen. Eternal life is part of the uh, the blessing of belief. Eternal life. It's not temporary. Some people believe, oh, you can you can lose your salvation. No, you can't. And you say that then, if you say that, you're calling Jesus a liar, you're calling the Bible a liar, you're calling the Lord of God a liar. He said, I give eternal life, and no one shall pluck them out of my hand or the Father's hand. <clears throat> Let's go on. Uh, Jesus answered and said, have faith in God. Okay, now he's talking about things that uh, can be done and things that are done and such. Um, where are we at here? Verse 23, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that these things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. A uh, number of times there he mentions what you say, what you say. So they were on the Mount, the Mount of Olives, probably right there. <clears throat> Behind them, 12 miles down, you can see the Dead Sea. 40 miles that way, you can see the Mediterranean. That's quite a thing, quite a claim that the Lord Jesus makes. You could have this mountain cast into the sea. I don't know which one he's talking about. That's quite a thing, isn't it? It's just if you don't doubt, you can have these things could happen. Uh, extreme things could take place or whatever. <clears throat> but there's a, let's just back up a little bit. In verse 23, for, for verily, I, I say unto you, 
And whosoever shall say unto this mountain. Now, who is he talking to? He's talking to the disciples. So the interpretation of this passage is to the disciples, first of all, okay? Because he's talking to them. And he would be, and he has in the past, sent them out two by two and such. And they did miracles. They healed people. They cast out devils. They did all kinds of things. Freely you have uh, uh, been given, and so on and so forth. I'll get the rest of that goes. Um, as far as the, is this just for the disciples or is it just for the apostles? Who would, we mentioned who would do wonders and signs and such and heal and so on and so forth? Perhaps, is it for us today? Yeah, well, the Lord says to, to us in uh, John 16, verse 24, He says, Hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name. Ask that you may receive, that your joy may be full. And over, I think it's in 1 John, I can't think of the verse exactly where it is. It talks about asking things according to the will of God. Okay. Because you have, there's a, one of the problems that we don't take this too seriously is that uh, the enemy, the devil, has done quite a, a, a job on the believers today in that he has had, there's a number of people that believe that whatever they say, there's a denomination out there that says that whatever you say will come to pass, whatever you say God has to honor, and so on and so forth. You know, if you want a new car, you just have to say, you know, I, well, I don't know what you say. You look at your wallet, oh, fancy wallet. <laughs> Heard one of those guys say one time he wanted something from God. He said, "If I don't get it, I'm coming up there, and there's going to be trouble." <sighs> he doesn't know God. Mm -hmm. That guy doesn't know God at all. You should be rather trembling in your boots. Don't be saying things like that to God. But you see, the Bible says uh, that you you ask and you have not because you ask to consume it upon your lusts. You can't do that. It's not according to God's plan. Uh, can miracles take place? Yes, they do. Can healings take place? Yes, they do. Can we really expect God to answer any and all of our petitions? Would you just take that and say we can answer? He'll answer everything. I've asked him some things and they haven't come yet. But then I'm reminded of George Mueller, who prayed for his friend for 60 years that he would get saved, and he got saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now you looked this up afterwards. We're just going to touch on this. There's a big subject here. We're not going to get into the whole thing. He talks about a mountain here. Now I've mentioned before that all the things that the Lord Jesus taught his disciples here uh, in the end of the book of Matthew, the last few verses, he tells them, go out now and teach and baptize. Teach all things whatsoever I have taught you. I can't remember exactly how the thing goes on. And we know then from that, then, you should be able to find all the teachings of Jesus in through the epistles. So he told them, go out and teach them all things whatsoever I have told you. So you're going to find these things. He told them that you can say unto this mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea. There's an interesting uh, verse over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want you to read it later on. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. Let me just read this bit to you. Uh, though... though Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, he says, the Apostle Paul says, though, it means if I did. It doesn't mean that I do. It means if I did. Though I speak with the... It doesn't give his body to be burned either, did he? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity. Now that word charity right there in, in our King James Bible 
That word charity simply means love, and it's agape, is that word right there, for God so loved the world, which means a self-sacrificing love, okay? Okay, that's what that word is. He says, if I have not charity, if I don't have this agape love, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though, look at this, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but Jesus said back there, didn't he? We're getting a little bit more information on that subject. That's verse 2 of chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. Okay? There's something else here that the Lord's not saying you can, you can just ask for this and that and all the things and so on and so forth to consume it upon your lusts and such. But you ask according to the will of God and you read that... Um, Thing in the back of the bulletin, uh, this fellow had that problem with his car and he had to pull over and he ended up helping this young gal and so on and so forth. Fascinating story in that God was using him to help her. It's not about us. We often think it's, you know, get me first. It's just for me. I can have. I want. I can do. Well, maybe God says, I want you to do this and that. Okay, we would try praying for somebody else, some miracle for somebody else first of all. Okay? It's a big topic. We're not going to get into the whole thing. For I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain, Be thou removed, and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that these things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He qualifies that later on with that bit in um, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 2, and he qualifies it later on. I think it's 1 John. You can check it out. Uh, uh, um, about asking uh, to consume it upon your lusts, and it must be according to the will of God. We can ask for things according to the will of God, and we must believe. We must believe. And it must be, the best things would be for uh, for somebody else. Yeah, we need things too, yeah. We, we, need this, we need this done. But is it just for us? Is it just we're asking for this particular thing just so we can have, so we can be, so we can do some particular thing? If it's for something that pertains to the will of God, what is God's will for us right now? To do good works. Then it must be according to that. Does that make any sense? I'm not sure if it does or not. Verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, so the Lord says, Therefore, it means uh, for this reason, or because of this, I say unto you, Whatso things ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Okay, that's pretty pretty clear. And if you take, as I mentioned, John uh, 16, verse 24, put that with that, that's that's pretty good stuff right there. Um, I'm just trying to condense this a bit here. Uh, whatsoever things ye desire. Now, it's an interesting word right there, that word desire. I'm not going to try and pronounce it for you, but it means to ask. Okay, it doesn't mean the desire like a lust. It means to ask something. Um, it's spelled A-I-T-E-O anyways. It's the petition of one who is lesser in position to whom the petition is made. In an example, like a child to a parent or a believer to the Lord God. We are lesser, aren't we? That guy that said, I don't get this, I'm going to come up there, there's going to be trouble. <laughs> he put himself above God, didn't he? Mm -hmm. 
he's not asking according to this word right here. When the Lord Jesus asked of the Father, that word is never used, A-I-T-E-O, A-T-O. It's never used. When Jesus asked and prayed to the Father, it's a different word used. It's E-R-O-T-A-O, Eroteo, however you pronounce it. Which means the petitioner is one on equal ground and familiar with the Father. Hence we see the Lord Jesus' deity. When he prayed and asked of the Father, he was not using that word as somebody who was subordinate or less. He was using the word that meant he was on an equal level as, for an example, one king to another king. The Lord Jesus to the Father. Mm -hmm. Just interesting uh, for us right there. And with that, we see whatsoever ye desire, uh, we've got to remember that everything's subordinate to what the Lord wants and so on and so forth. Okay? And then he goes on and says, um, where are we? When you pray that you believe that you receive them. How many times do we pray or sometimes we, we, we don't say it, but you just feel it, mm, I don't think that's going to be answered. Hey, did anybody ever feel, feel that? Anybody? Nobody wants to put their hand up, but a few people are nodding. Yeah, we're like that. You know, if we get, if our hearts are right with God, we'll be asking right things and such. God can do miracles, eh? He can do amazing things. And we've all seen things done. Tremendous, tremendous things. He can do, yeah. He says, and, verse 25, and as well as, he says, here's something else you want to, you want to, um, uh, take note of, and this is important for us as well, just don't go praying and asking willy-nilly, according to God's plan, according to God's will, and so on and so forth, and when you stand praying, one of the customs of, of the day was that they would stand and pray, and we do that sometimes, sometimes a person will stand up and work prayer or whatever, um, it doesn't mean that that's the proper position for praying, because you remember the Apostle Paul, when he was leaving Ephesus, met some of the elders of the church, and they knelt down on the sand there, prayed. Okay, so position of the body really isn't uh, isn't in, in play there. And when you stand praying, forgive. Here's a biggie. If you forgive, if you have ought, if you have anything against anybody else. Remember last week we, we mentioned that in 1 John chapter 2 or is it 3? I can't remember. Um, if a believer has a dislike or a hatred towards somebody else toward another believer he says you're walking in darkness and have forgotten that you were cleansed of your sins you don't know where you're going it's a sin in itself it's a sin and he goes on to say that that hatred that we would have to somebody is akin to murder thoughts are like deeds eh? you look upon a woman to lust after her you've committed adultery with her in your heart already thoughts are deeds okay all right and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have aught against any, if you've got anything, aught, anything at all. Boy, oh boy. With this, we could read, we could go back and read, uh, I just started a Monday book, and read through the Bible, and then Matthew chapter 5, looking at what we call the Beatitudes. Blessed are, you know, the meek for they shall inherit the earth, and so on and so forth. What he's, he mentions a whole bunch of things there. Characteristics of those that follow Jesus Christ. Characteristics of those who have been saved and forgiven with the Spirit of God living in there. Sometimes we have a grudge against somebody. 
Somebody said one time, grudges are a heavy, heavy creature to carry around. We have a grudge on our back. I mentioned, I mentioned one time, we knew a couple of ladies who had a, a grudge, you know, for over 30 years in the church, they had this thing. They didn't talk to each other. They were at odds with each other. They didn't like each other. It was terrible. How could that be? Do we have that? Do you have that? Do I have that? Lord, search our hearts. When you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against anybody. anybody. Anybody ever done anything to you? Better let it go. Go over to 1 John. He says, it's, that's a bad thing. You're walking in darkness. That your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. You mean that God's not going to forgive? Hey, wait a minute. He tells us over in 1 John that that hatred, that, uh, that's a holding a grudge or dislike or whatever against somebody else, he calls it's like murder. It's a sin. And then we turn around, we ask God, hey, I'm not answering you. You need to get that right first. Mm -hmm. you know, why is God not answering my prayers? Maybe there's something wrong. Maybe you've got to get something right. Are you harboring something or whatever? I don't know. He says, and when you stand praying, he says, you go ask, whatsoever you ask. So when you're going to go stand up and you're going to ask, you better be forgiving. Now, forgiveness, forgiveness is uh, what I call the essence of Christianity. Hey? It's all about forgiveness, isn't it? I mean, how could God forgive us of our sins? How could he do that? Because Jesus Christ paid the price, and God says, yeah, I'm satisfied with that. What Jesus did on the cross propitiates, satisfies, meets the justice and the holiness of God. He says, that's what it is. And he says, and I will forgive you of anything, anything and all when you believe and trust in Jesus Christ. Then we, like silly creatures we are sometimes, we go back and do some things and so on and so forth. Maybe forget, have a grudge against somebody. And the Lord says, I'm, you can ask all you want. I'm not listening to you right now because you've got unforgiveness in your heart. Unforgiveness will cause, oh, such terrible, terrible, tremendous uh, problems in our, in our own life. It's a, 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 a root of bitterness will spring up and it'll affect other people all around us. But it's, forgiveness is the essence of Christianity. If we don't understand what forgiveness is and if we don't show forgiveness to others, how can we expect God to affect He won't. He says, I'm not going to hear you. Unforgiveness is the opposite of following Christ. And, uh, of course, those verses, 1 John chapter 2, verses 8 to 11, read it later. To hold a grudge, to dislike because of past occurrences, grudges and so on and so forth, it's a heavy burden to carry. Where are we supposed to put our burdens? On oh, the Lord Jesus. They have a problem with somebody. Lord, I'm having a problem with this individual. I don't want to. Be, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to think like this. Lord, would you help me? Would you take this? Would you help with the situation. That grudge, that dislike, or whatever it is, or hatred, the weight of it alone can cause you to stumble. You ever carried a heavy weight? You got to make sure you got a, a good footing, eh? You trip. Unforgiveness mars relationships. It hurts the ones that one that is carrying that. It is sin. It is sin in our life. The Bible says sin brings death. It kills joy. It kills happiness. It kills that meek and quiet spirit which is uh, in great price before God. 
kills our usefulness, our self-worth, can even cause premature death. It's against God and against what He says. It's an absolute rebellion to God to hold a grudge against somebody else, to have aught against any. We need to ask the Lord, ask Him if we're harboring any such things. And if we are, as we probably know it anyways. We probably know it. And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive your trespasses. Wow. That's pretty powerful stuff. We're going to stop right there on that note. God is very forgiving. God is very merciful. But He expects of His people certain behavior. Certain behavior. You go and read the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, the beginning of it there. Uh, tremendous things there, the characteristics. And some of the things here, instructions for the disciples. I was thinking of this word. And, uh, we should ask people, you know, are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? You ask yourself today, you answer that. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Are you a disciple? Do you know where we get uh, derivative of that is where we get our word discipline? Ah, a disciplined disciple of Jesus Christ. He requires some, uh, some uh, uh, attitude changes with us. These things will happen automatically when the Spirit of God comes in and lives in our, in our heart by faith. But sometimes we allow the old nature, which battles against the Holy Spirit inside. Sometimes we let the old nature uh, win. There's some things for us to think about. We've just flown over this, just ran through it like a freight train. Uh, it would be good if you would take it and go back and read it yourselves. Just go through it slowly. Just go slowly. And that's how we should study our Bibles. Just take every word and every bit and every phrase. What do you mean? What do you mean? How does this apply to me? The Bible is the Word of God. It's a tremendous, tremendous gift to us. And this is eternal life. We pray that all that are listening would know Christ or come to know Jesus Christ as Savior, and then we would do something and do our part to help go out and reach others, whatever we can do. But don't forget, whatever you sow, you ask, you stand before God and ask for things, just miracle stuff. But your heart's got to be right. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your grace now, Lord. We just thank you for this time for us to look at these things. and Lord, these things are much deeper than what we looked at here today. There's a lot more here, but we just thank you that we can just take some of the, the basic stuff here, Lord, and just bring out some applications for ourselves. We pray you help us, Lord, as, as, the, as the, uh, King David said one time, Lord, create, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Lord, we just pray for this, and thank you for your grace, and thank you for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thanks for listening, folks. Take care, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Okay. <clears throat>